The global pandemic has hit our day jobs hard. This is now our full-time jobs. If you want great content and can afford a few extra bucks, consider becoming a Southpaw supporter on Patreon. If you want to show everyone else your solidarity, we now have an online store full of Southpaw swag. You can find links to both our store and our Patreon at southpawpod.com. When it comes to left media, we cannot exist without your support. This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Fight Study. The UFC has an obligation to deliver 30 events per year on ESPN in order to collect part of its $1.5 billion contract. With 2020 looking more uncertain as the COVID-19 cases pile up, the UFC has figured that it needs a way to fulfill its obligation by any means necessary. Between Yas Island and the UFC Apex facility, Events are able to continue in somewhat of a regular fashion as far as the viewers are concerned. Sure, things were weird without the roars of cheering fans, but after a few fights, everyone, including the broadcast team, fighters, and fans, seemed to adjust. There's no set date for a return to Abu Dhabi, but at least the visit ended with the great technical matchup between Robert Whittaker and Darren Till. In the main event, Whitaker defeated Till by unanimous decision with scorecards of 48 to 47 across the board. Sure, the right fighter won, but a closer look at the individual tallies shows some bizarre scoring. For example, Judge Anders Olsen had Till winning the last round, even though the other two judges, Ben Cartledge and Clemens Warner, gave it to Whitaker. Such is the state of MMA judging. And we can only be grateful that at least this time around, the right person was given the nod. Two events prior to this, judges also gave Volkanovski the W despite the vast majority of MMA media, fans, and other fighters stating that Holloway had done enough to win back the belt. We can argue all day about the issues in MMA judging, but that's a topic for an entirely different episode. This time around, The fight was close enough in moments, and no one fighter was dominant from start to finish. There were a lot of questions surrounding both Whitaker and Till heading into this matchup, and even though the fight wasn't a slugfest that some had hoped for, it delivered in many other ways. For Whitaker, this was his first fight back since losing the title to Israel Adesanya back in October of last year. Have the wars with Yoel Romero taken their toll on him? Was the loss to Adesanya a sign of deterioration? How would he deal with a knockout loss like that? Till was victorious in his middleweight debut against Gastelum, but he also had a lot of questions surrounding his future. The fight with Gastelum was more of a clinical performance and didn't have most of Till's usual taunts and striking flair. Was Till too scared to trade with fighters anymore? Did he beat a Gastelum that's on his way down? 
how would he deal with the more complete MMA fighter? All these questions were more or less answered in this fight, and it was a test of who had the better fight IQ. As fans, we've been spoiled as of late with amazing wars like Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje, Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos, and Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. Every now and then, it's refreshing to get technical matchups like this, but it's not without precedent. Take another look at matches like Volkanovski versus Holloway 2 and Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige, and you'll see that tactical fighters have been getting their fair share of the spotlight. Whitaker versus Till had all the promises of a war, but the fight unfolded like a striking chess match. Even though both fighters are billed as quote-unquote strikers, they have well-rounded MMA games that allow them to compete at the top of the middleweight class. Early on, Till tried to apply pressure and lunged in, only to be met with a stiff jab to the face. It's been said before, and pointed out in the fight preview, that if you rush in on Whitaker, it's practically an invitation to get hit by jabs and left hooks all night. This was a lesson that Till learned before the fight clock started, and luckily for him, he didn't make too many of these mistakes as the fight wore on. Immediately after, Till seemed to settle down and do what he does best, pressure with feints. Till doesn't have the variety of strikes that he can draw from like Adesanya, nor does he have the one-shot power like Romero or Paulo Costa. What he does well is move in while feinting to draw overreactions. His left straight and one-twos are usually his favorite strikes, and by keeping his hands low and coming in from southpaw, this is often more than enough to confuse most of his opponents. Whitaker himself fell prey to this when he swung back with the right hand, only to get an elbow across his jaw, dropping him in the first round. When Till can get you to overreact to a strike, it gives him the perfect opportunity to hit you with his counters. Whitaker does have a bad habit of attacking in a straight line, as seen in the Adesanya fight, and Till took advantage of this a couple of times. When Till started fainting by pumping his shoulders and bumping his hips, Whitaker reacted by either swinging his overhand right, covering his head, or darting to his left. Till's left high kick was a nice addition and worked well with his left straight. The left straight plus left high kick was a staple of Mirko Krokop's game and was used recently by the likes of Conor McGregor to fake out Cowboy Cerrone. It gave Whitaker some pause and it seemed that this could be Till's fight after all. Round 2 changed the conversation. Whitaker has battled back from adversity before, and this fight against Till was no different. Knowing that he probably lost the first round, he went back to his corner and adjusted accordingly. When Till started moving forward, Whitaker started showing his jabs again that stopped Till from aggressively chasing him. Even though he was mixing in feints well, Whitaker stepped in whenever Till turned towards him, and the jab cracked him enough times to keep him honest. Whitaker was still bursting in for his blitz attacks, but he limited the amount of times he did this on a straight line. It wasn't uncommon to see him throw the overhand right, duck down, and come back up with the left hook from the opposite side before darting back. One of these right hooks is what dropped Till in the second round. The left hook is Whitaker's money punch, and even though it doesn't always land clean, 
the threat is always there and usually enough to keep opponents from countering right away. No analysis would be complete without mentioning how Whitaker brought back his calf kicks to keep Till in place so when he would dive in for his hips, he would stand still. After Whitaker did this enough times, Till wasn't sure where his hands and hips should be since he didn't know if more kicks were to come or if a single leg takedown attempt was in the works. Whitaker was able to grab a hold of Till's lead leg and posted his rear hand on Till's shoulder and drive him back, a la Frankie Edgar. He wasn't as successful with the takedowns per se, but it created opportunities for him to throw strikes off the clinch break. This is how Daniel Cormier was able to sneak in so many strikes against all his opponents, and it's been used in boxing by the likes of Floyd Mayweather Jr. to keep opponents from retaliating post-clinch. Whitaker's ability to use his wrestling offensively was a nice treat and definitely showed that he can mix things up when necessary. And combined with his kicking game, opponents have a lot more things to be worried about. This doesn't mean that Whitaker was perfect the rest of the fight. His habit of landing crisp strikes, only to start brawling towards the end, crept in from time to time, until definitely was able to land his own counters whenever those opportunities came. Both fighters threw high kicks that whizzed dangerously past each other's heads, and Till's one-twos caught Whitaker whenever he retreated straight back and didn't offer a counter. It was interesting to see Till not follow through with the clinch-heavy game plan this time around. Against Gasolum, he had no problem throwing short punches and then immediately clinching up to keep Gasolum from returning fire. It's not pretty, but it works. Andre Ward did this a record number of times against Mikel Kessler and was able to win the WBA Super Middleweight title. Perhaps after feeling Whitaker's strength, Till concluded that the grappling could exhaust him early and was definitely not something he wants in a five-round fight. Towards the end of the fifth round, Whitaker was finally able to complete a series of takedowns, ranging from single legs to outside trips, just as Till opened a huge cut on the side of his head. It's a crafty veteran move and definitely sealed the deal on two of the judges' scorecards. With the win over Till, Whitaker is back in the win column and showed that he hasn't lost too much of his step from his days as champion. He still has some troublesome habits that could be dangerous against crafty or powerful strikers, but his overall MMA game and ability to adapt on the fly makes him hard to beat. He made no indication that he wants another title shot right away, and giving him contenders could build up a rematch properly. Whitaker was originally slated to face Jared Cannonier back in early 2020, but the fight never materialized. Cannonier is still without a dance partner and has been nursing a torn pectoral muscle since February. The timing could be right for this matchup to be rescheduled for closer to end of this year. For Till, even though he lost this fight, he showed that he has a real future at middleweight. He took the former champion to a decision and didn't get embarrassed. Uriah Hall was supposed to fight during the UFC's pandemic event tour, but his original opponent, Jacare Souza, tested positive for COVID-19 the day of the weigh-ins. Hall is lower in the rankings, but he's still in the top 10 and always willing to stand and trade with his opponents. Pitting an offensive-minded striker against a crafty counterpuncher could produce an interesting fight. The middleweight division is currently in a pretty good spot. The champion, Israel Adesanya, 
has made it a point to be as active as possible and is trying to uphold that promise by defending its title multiple times a year. The same can't be said for a lot of other weight classes. The men's bantamweight is the most stacked division in the entire UFC, and they just crowned a new champion. And there hasn't been an announcement of who's going to be next. The lightweights have exchanged so many interim championship titles that it's hard to keep track. Yes, Adesanya has looked dominant thus far, but he's in a division full of guys that have the power and skill set to upset him on any given night. You don't always have to be perfect to become champion. Sometimes all you need are the right opportunities to come along. Bisping went from being a veteran to champion by having an amazing year, and Gaethje became interim champion by willing to take the fight against Tony Ferguson on short notice. Here's the hoping that the sport stays as crazy and unpredictable as ever. Now that's the show. If you enjoyed this episode and find this type of independent media worthwhile, please consider supporting the show on Patreon. We have a lot more episodes like this one in the works, but need your financial support to keep the show running. Even a few dollars a month goes a long way. No one does what we do, and it's all being funded by you, the listener. In return for supporting us, you'll gain access to lots of bonus content and along with our private Discord chat. Even if you can't support us, there's a lot of free bonus content there as well. We also have an online store if you want to show your Southpaw solidarity by wearing our swag. You can find all pertinent links at southpawpod.com. And if you can't afford to support the show and still want to help, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. This makes it easier for others to find us. And don't forget to share your favorite episodes or the podcast itself on social media. Tell your friends. Until next time, goodbye.